Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to your Wednesday and welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. Mark Daly here welcoming you to this week's show and it was a bit strange this past weekend. I must say that I really got into that uh, first triple header in Formula One history. So to actually have a week off at this past weekend was a little bit strange, but hey, we did have the World Cup final going on in Russia, so that was an acceptable way to spend the weekend if there was no Formula One. But, of course, we do have the German Grand Prix and the Hungarian Grand Prix before the month is out. And then we head into that, what, three-and-a-half-week Formula One summer break. And just a, a quick programming note that at the beginning of August, we're going to shut it down for a week or so as well. It's uh, it's vacation. It's holiday time here in Canada as well. So we're going to, to catch our breath and... And enjoy the, the the nice weather. I hope wherever you are uh, listening uh, today around the world, uh, of course, uh, my friends in the Southern Hemisphere are in, in winter up here in the Northern Hemisphere. We're enjoying summer and summer has really kicked in here on the West Coast of Canada in the past couple of weeks, especially I think more, well, more specifically, I'd say about the past 10 days, we're experiencing temperatures in the, in the high 20s. And for me, it's just, uh, it's perfect. It gets nice and warm, but it cools off nicely at night. Nice sunny blue skies, nice long days, and it is a lovely, lovely time of year. And just uh, before we get into the show, I want to give a shout out to the new Twitter followers this week. Benjamin Fernay, F1 is Life 77, Lori Backer, James, Ida Sophie, and the Toyota Brotherhood. If you want to give us a follow on Twitter, you can do that. And our Twitter handle is... Oh, not surprisingly, at Scuderia Pod. Sorry, <laughs> there we go. I can't even get our own Twitter handle right. It is Scuderia F1 Pod. So if you want to give us a, a follow or give us a shout on Twitter, by all means, I'd uh, love to to hear from other Formula One fans around the world and uh, always uh, follow back. So it's uh, plenty of stuff to talk about in Formula One this week, but I want to backtrack quickly before I get into the, the new news for this week and uh, just want to clarify a couple things from, from last week's show and I uh, had uh, quite a few discussions um, specifically regarding the, the, the comments I made about uh, Kimi Raikkonen's wife who uh, chimed in after the British Grand Prix and I'm just going to paraphrase, I don't have the exact uh, wording in front of me, but she had uh, made a post on social media after the uh, after the race, uh, something to the effect of, well, if you, uh, if you can't take losing properly you know, if you, if you cry like a girl when you lose, go take up a ballet. Now, do I have a problem with Kimmy's wife, Mintu Raikkonen, speaking up against uh, Mercedes, who obviously were quite vocal that, you know, Lewis, of course, stormed off after the race. Uh, he didn't um, stick around to uh, do the post-race uh, little uh, interview there with Martin Brundle in the park for me. Uh, he sort of stormed off there. He said afterwards that he was so physically exhausted that uh, he could barely stand whatever. And then also uh, the uh, Toto Wolf and also Nikki Lauda were saying they're going on about this bizarre conspiracy theory that they have about Ferrari drivers driving into Mercedes cars, which I think is a 
obviously those are, are, are pretty ridiculous comments. I think the only time that is completely valid is if we backtrack to Baku and the Azerbaijan Grand Prix last year when Sebastian Vettel had that complete meltdown and uh, drove into uh, the, the side of Lewis under that safety car after he figured that Lewis Hamilton was uh, was brake testing him. But getting back to what uh, to what Kimmy's wife said, uh, you know, honestly, I don't have a problem with her uh, speaking up, but um, the, the one issue... I did have uh, with, with her is that just making those uh, comments that, you know, if you cry like a girl when you lose, go and uh, take up uh, ballet. Honestly, and this is just my own personal opinion, those kind of comments where I come from in my part of the world are viewed as offensive and, and sexist. So, you know, whatever. Take it for for what it's worth. That's just uh, my, my two cents. If, uh, you know, she had said something, uh, you know, they're, they're just being poor losers and they should just shut their mouth and just concentrate to what's happening on the track, you know, that would have been, at least in my eyes, a, a little bit more, I think, more uh, appropriate. But, of course, I mean, she's not the Formula One driver. It's her husband. And, of course... <clears throat> Excuse me, and I deal with a lot of professional athletes, um, specific, uh, specifically pro uh, professional uh, footballers, and you know some of them are more more polished than not. And obviously, uh, you know, Kimmy's wife is not getting that media training, so she probably said something that maybe she regret regretted afterwards, or maybe she didn't. But at any rate, it. Uh, it uh, it's fine with me if she wants to to criticize uh, Mercedes. I think that uh, definitely that uh, they were they deserved it for some of the things that they they said after the race. And uh, also one of the comments was that uh, that uh, I received from one of the li- uh, listeners that if I was going to be so critical about uh, Kimmy's wife, you know, maybe I shouldn't be giving Lewis so much of uh, of leeway after he uh, you know he, like I said he stormed off after the race and uh, barely acknowledged uh, the uh, the other drivers. In the little uh, ante room that they have before they go up onto the podium, and it's funny that uh, you know every time something goes wrong with uh, with Lewis, my whenever we're watching a race, my wife will always say, "Well, you know, Lewis didn't have a have a good uh, good day today. He's going to get out of the car, and if he's ma- angry, he never takes his helmet off, <laughs> and that's very true." But uh, I, I do accept that uh, criticism. You know, if uh, you're willing to dish it out on someone, maybe you know I shouldn't have been so uh, lenient on uh, on Lewis's somewhat delayed apology for his behavior post-race at the at the British Grand Prix but hey you know part of what makes this fun is the 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 discussion that uh, that we have and uh, I I enjoy uh, talking about Formula One and discussing with you guys because I just sit here and talk about it (laughs) you know honestly it's a little bit difficult at times because again I'm I'm hosting this show solo uh, Kevin is still just sort of wrapping up everything that happened for the for the World Cup, so hopefully he's back <laughs> for next week. But I'm talking, I'm producing, I'm also going through my show notes, so I've got my my hands full here. So it uh, talking is kind of something that almost becomes secondary. So sometimes it's easy when you're you're hosting a show on your own to to lose track. But hey, that's just the the, the way it is. Not supposed to be an excuse or anything, but. Let's get into the news that's out there right now. And uh, Valtteri Bottas, I, I think I'm going to get into what, let, let's call it silly season, because although uh, most of the, the, the teams and the drivers, if they're they're not set for 2019, that uh, there's some pretty, I, I would say, some solid speculation as to where the final parts are going to go once uh, everything is sort of settles down and, and the, the game of Formula One musical chairs uh, uh, sort of I don't know, completes itself for this year. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Valtteri Bottas is confident that his performances in 2018 are good enough to get uh, a contract for 2019 and beyond with uh, with uh, with Mercedes. And, well, I, I think he has done a pretty good uh, job this year. He's out-qualified Lewis uh, four times so far this year. He's had some rotten luck, of course. I mean, uh, one was when Sebastian Vettel punted him off of the track in the, at uh, Paul Ricard at the French Grand Prix a couple of weeks ago. And then he had that rotten luck when he was leading the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and had a puncture very uh, late in the race and when it really looked like he was going to win that one. And uh, and Bodes, I think he's deserving of it. Uh, I, was, I was interested when he went 
went to uh, to uh, Mercedes at the beginning of the 2017 season after uh, Nico Rosberg just decided to to pull the plug and uh, retire just literally days after the the end of the 2016 season. I thought it was an interesting uh, interesting move by uh, by by Mercedes, and of course they did the smart thing by giving him a one year contract with an option uh, for for 2018. And I think that um, you know I, I think that uh, Botas was always I think he was a handy driver. I think he did what he could uh, at Williams, but definitely they didn't want to overcommit themselves, especially when you saw like the the amount of drivers that uh, were, were coming up out of contract after the end of each and every season made sense. But who are they going to replace him with? Uh, the, the the big one obviously would have been uh, Danny Ricardo, or that would have been a uh, I, I think. Uh, an interesting uh, choice to to partner Lewis Hamilton. Lewis, of course, is also out of contract at the end of the season, but the the the, the talk, the chatter has been that that contract has just um, hasn't been. I wouldn't say a priority, but they haven't really been pushing it along. It's just kind of been what they've been saying, you know, it'll get done when it gets done kind of thing. And uh, it will get done. And I think honestly, when it does get done, that'll probably at least what I'm expecting to be the last contract that, uh, that Lewis Hamilton is going to sign in, in formula one. So it'll be interesting to see when that is announced, how many years that is for. And I think that Lewis is that kind of guy that I, I think he's starting to look beyond his formula one career, or at least preparing for it. I mean, he seems to enjoy a lot of different things away from, from racing and, I think that he he wants to. Uh, I mean, what does he really have left to prove? I mean, he's a, he's a four time world champion. I mean, nobody's got more. Uh, he's nobody's got more pole positions. I mean, he he's won so many races and won so many honors over the course of his career. Uh, how, how much how much longer does he have to go on and and prove it before he's he, he's satisfied that he, he's done what he needed to do in Formula One and it's time to to move on and try and uh, challenge himself in uh, in in other areas. But yeah, I think that uh, maybe Ricardo was a bit of a a long shot, maybe to to replace uh, uh, Valtteri Bottas. But I think that uh, Ricardo and Hamilton could be a, an interesting partnership. But why rock the boat? Uh, ha- Hamilton and Bottas seem to get on pretty good uh, with one another. Uh, Bottas seems to be a very good teammate. So why wouldn't you give him a new contract if you're the guys? Or if, well, the guys. Well, <laughs> if you're Total Wolf and you're signing uh, the the contract and the paperwork for Mercedes. Now, just talking about uh, Danny Ricardo, even he himself admits that uh, Ferrari and Mercedes are no longer options uh, for 2019. Mercedes, of course, we were just uh, talking about, uh, but Ferrari... That, that rumor is still out there that uh, Raikkonen, who is uh, 39, it's kind of hard to believe he doesn't really, well, at least for me, he doesn't look like he's 39. I mean, Kimi almost looks ageless <laughs> to a certain degree. I mean, he was kind of a, a fresh-faced kid when he broke into Formula 1 with Sauber all those years ago, but... I mean, at least uh, once he sort of matured a little bit and grew up, and uh, it's, to me, he looks almost the same as he did now five years ago or even 10 years ago. Anyways, uh, the, the speculation is that he will move on at the end of the year. They won't bring him back for, for 2019, and uh, perhaps they will give that second seat to partner uh, Sebastian Vettel uh, to uh, Charles Leclerc, who is, of course, a Ferrari driver currently driving uh, for Sauber this year. And uh, that is uh, an interesting one because uh, you look at the difference in quality between the two uh, the two Sauber drivers, Marcus Erickson and Charles Leclerc. It's it's night and day, really. I mean, Charles Leclerc is, is outperforming Erickson on a on a weekly basis, not just in uh, in qualifying, but in the race itself with uh well, basically identical equipment. So I think that speaks a lot to Charles Leclerc's uh, talent as a driver. And uh, is he potentially one of the superstars of the future of Formula One? I I think we've gotten a pretty good look at that this year. So it would be, uh, I think, really exciting to see Charles in one of the top teams in Formula One and see what this uh, this young fellow can do. And uh, it'll be exciting to watch him grow and, and get better over the years. And if he does go to a race uh, for uh, the Scuderia, it will be very, very interesting to watch. I mean, just the, the, the fact that, uh, that he's even being mentioned as a possible replacement to Kimi Raikkonen, I find fascinating because that is just such 
not a Ferrari move. It's just not really a Ferrari thing to give a young guy a, a, a chance like that. They, they've they never really done it in their history. And they've always, well, I mean, Ferrari basically has unlimited resources. So uh, they're able to to get the, the, the drivers that they want. And I, I think they still have a partnership with uh, Philip Morris, even though they don't have the, uh, the tobacco branding on the cars anymore. But I, I believe that they do sponsor the team or provide some funding. So... Anyways, that's not a concern for them. So, I mean, they've always been able to go out and get the guys that they want and not necessarily given younger fellows uh, the, the chance to to develop themselves. But Charles looks like he's ready to go. He looks, uh, I think, uh, pretty solid out there for a guy in his first year in, in Formula One. So that's definitely one to watch as uh, the, the year go on. So let, let's just take a, a bit of a, a different look here. I, I think obviously that the the, the best uh, scenario for Danny Ricardo is to stick with uh, with Red Bull. And and why wouldn't you? Obviously, next year is going to be, I, I think, an interesting year for Red Bull. Uh, obviously, we've heard in recent weeks that they they have decided to move on from Renault. That has been, sadly, a troubled relationship over the past three to four years in the turbo hybrid era. Of course, uh, well, I, I don't know if you want to go as far as call it a legendary partnership, but the two, Renault and Red Bull, have uh, definitely enjoyed a lot of success together over the years, winning uh, championships and, and, and lots and lots of races. So it, it'll be weird to see a Red Bull without a, a Renault, or in uh, in this case, a Tag Heuer branded uh, Renault engine in the back. Uh, but uh, yeah, that that relationship has been strained, and Honda is obviously a gamble. I think they they had that unique position of being able to evaluate both engines. Obviously, they have the Renault in the Red Bull, and then the the, the Honda is the only supplying uh, Toro Rosso this year. So, I mean, being a uh, a sister team to Red Bull Racing. They were basically able to compare the engine uh, data one-on-one and uh, really have, I I think, a very privileged position to make the the best decision for them. And uh, Honda themselves have said that their goal is to to, to maintain the current level where uh, Red Bull is at this year. So... uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's fair. I think that's uh, that's okay for them. I, I think that's a good goal for them uh, to set. Obviously, they're going to want to move beyond that as as soon as possible. And I, I certainly hope that they don't regress because uh, we saw the last weekend at Silverstone that the, the Red Bulls were a distance fifth and sixth really uh behind the uh the the, the top four uh cars the the two um uh, the two mercedes and the two ferraris and they I, I believe they were down something like 80 horsepower and 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 that really really shows so it would be disappointing to see them regress from where, where they are right now because they've provided some very good moments this year and and obviously uh daniel ricardo's uh had some uh, very good uh moments this year and, and verstappen in, in recent weeks as well seems that uh, he's gotten his head in the Right place finally, and and doing what Max Verstappen should be doing, and getting podiums and uh, and contributing to to that team. So uh, that uh, definitely, I think, uh, would be disappointing. Like I say, to see them regress backwards if Honda can't deliver with a with a good and strong power unit uh, for for next year. But let's move away from uh, Ricardo and and Mercedes and Ferrari and Red Bull. And and let's take a look at uh, some of the other possible pairings. Um, Force India, I kind of wonder. I I think we're going to see Sergio Perez back there. I I think that uh, Sergio has had his opportunity to maybe get uh, a drive with one of the big teams. I think that's passed him by. I think that, uh, that, that possibility in his career is... Sadly, I, th- I think that's come and gone. He had that one-off with uh, McLaren in 2013. wasn't really the best, but I mean, he's he's been pretty good, pr- very consistent for Toro. Uh, sorry, not Toro Rosso, but uh, for Forza India over the past several seasons, and he's had some uh, very impressive uh, results there. Seems to do very good at uh, Azerbaijan for for whatever reason, but that seems to be a, a track, obviously, where he's had some success. And uh, perhaps uh, maybe he will not be uh, lining up again next to Esteban. O- Ocon in uh, in 2019, Ocon is actually being thrown around there as a, a possible uh, driver for for Renault next year. So if that's the case, who could possibly 
come in and take that second seat. So one of the names out there uh, being mentioned is is George Russell. Williams, that is a, an interesting one. Uh, Sergei Sorotkin, apparently uh, he's rumored to be bringing 15 million euros worth of sponsorship money to the team uh, each and every year. And guys, that is mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing. And both uh, uh, Williams and uh, Sorotkin's own people say that he's on a a multi-year contract with Williams. So I I would be surprised uh, that uh, if we saw a a scenario play out where Sergei Sorotkin isn't driving for Williams next year. I mean, that's obviously a lot, a lot of money. I mean, obviously he hasn't had any success, hasn't uh, scored a single point yet. And, uh, well, <laughs> I guess if he's bringing that much money, you give him a, a lot of leeway. And then also uh, Lance Stroll, uh, another young guy, he's in his second year with Williams. He also brings a, a fair amount of money to uh, the, the team as well. Not sure exactly how much. The only thing I could find uh, briefly when I was looking the, the, this evening was that it's a supposedly a decreasing amount each and every year. So whether or not um, that happens next year or whether or not uh, Williams decide that they want to continue with Lance Stroll for 2019 remains to be seen. And if that's the case, does Robert Kubica uh, draw in finally and get that second Williams uh, seat? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I think uh, what, one of the interesting things I was reading in the past week or so is that what with the the struggles that Williams have had this year, and obviously the pairing of Sorotkin and Lance Stroll is a very inexperienced one. You you have a car where the aero package just is not good. The the car is just severely. Uh, well, it's just bad. <laughs> it's not a good car uh, whatsoever. And if you have uh, two guys as young and as inexperienced in Formula One like Stroll and Sorotkin, there, there is only so much that uh, that you can really maybe develop compared to if you're getting uh, feedback from a, a more experienced uh, driver. Uh, Kubica himself uh, has said, well, a lot of the speculation is that if they were to uh, dump one or the other of those two drivers that uh, he could draw in there and that uh, even though he is a more mature, older driver that he very much uh, considers himself a, a rookie for for Formula One. So if, uh, you know, for, for those of you calling for Kubica to uh, get one of those seats at Williams, doesn't necessarily necessarily mean it's going to be an upgrade but you know we'll have to to wait and see anyways uh renault uh look for more well, i think probably we'll see hulkenberg around there and then the, so the, the the big question is uh will it be carlos Sainz, who is a, a red bull driver and what with this whole red bull renault honda drama is he kind of the guy left without a, a seat obviously what with renault and and red bull dissolving their partnership and he's being he he's loaned there he's not even uh, he's still a red bull driver and i think a, a lot of it has to do with uh, what's going to happen with the, with daniel ricardo's uh, contract with red bull uh, you know the big team that seems to be a, a, a formality so i mean most likely we're going to see a, a scenario of danny rick and uh, verstappen in 2019 and um, Esteban Ocon is uh, the name that uh, is being thrown out there that uh, could be the second Renault driver next year. So does that mean that Carlos Sainz is perhaps left without a chair when the music stops playing? I mean, he still is a Red Bull driver. And you look, of course, they have the two teams, Red Bull Racing and, and Toro Rosso, which is the, the junior team, the development team. Is that somewhere where he could uh, move back to and uh, maybe p- uh, partner up with Pierre Gasly? Uh, I, I think that what we've seen with uh, with Brendan Hartley, the young New Zealander, obviously that has not worked out uh, very well. Brendan just does not seem to have what it takes in Formula One. He got a couple of races at the, the end of last year, and uh, I'm, I'm not really seeing a lot of forward progression from Hartley at the moment. But on the, on the flip side of that, Pierre Gasly, who had uh, some good uh, performances earlier in uh, in 2018, has kind of, uh, he's really cooled off in the past uh, several races. So uh, how much of it is the drivers? How much is the cars? But uh, I would think that if anything, you're going to want to stick with uh, with Gasly and, uh, you know, maybe move uh, science back. And if he doesn't go back to uh, Toro Rosso, what other options does that, uh, that really uh, leave him? 
of course, Haas is uh, an interesting one. I think uh, they'll probably stick with K-Mag. But Roman Grosjean, I mean, he's had a tough season this year. Uh, a lot of it was his own fault. <laughs> I think that a lot of the criticism that uh, that Roman Grosjean is getting this year is absolutely uh, deserved. So uh, whether or not Haas decide to bring him back for 2019, great question. And if uh, Sainz uh, doesn't land uh, with one of the other teams, could that be a, a possibility? Who knows? And then, of course, McLaren. This is almost becoming like an annual drama, although I think uh, this year it's uh, maybe less uh, sort of a speculative uh, what with uh, uh, Fernando. I mean, e- even the, the the whole Fernando Alonso and the whole McLaren IndyCar thing, that seems to really dried up in the, the, the past 10 days or two weeks or, or so. It, it was really seemed to be building quite a head of steam there about a month uh, ago. And then it's, it's really quietened, uh, quietened down in uh, the, the last little while. But the thing is, w- what's happening with McLaren themselves? Uh, 2018, they're at least on the same level of the 2017 car. The only difference is that they've got the, the more reliable and powerful Renault engine compared to the very underpowered and unreliable Honda engine that they had for the, the, the previous couple of years. But... Uh, is Fernando going to want to stick around? He's now won two of the three legs of the Triple Crown. Uh, he's won Monaco a couple of times. He won at Le Mans last month. So the only thing that he has left to do is to win the Indy 500. And then he could be the second driver ever, besides uh, Graham Hill, to uh, to to win the, the Triple Crown. So I think uh, Fernando himself even said immediately after winning Le Mans that, uh, that Indy has top priority for, for 2019. And you can understand why. I mean, uh, Fernando and... And Kevin and I, we, we've talked about it uh, and referred to it uh, a lot over the past year, that, that what Fernando Alonso did at Indy last year in 2017 was uh, was extremely impressive. Uh, he impressed all throughout uh, the, the testing sessions, uh, throughout qualifying, throughout the, the race itself. And that's why I think that uh, it was a bit of a, a, a bitter moment when he had to retire, when his, uh, I think it was his engine uh, blew up. I think they were almost, I think, about three-quarter race distance and uh, he was doing uh, quite well I and mean, he wasn't leading at the time but uh, he was definitely in the conversation and uh, so disappointing but honestly why wouldn't you cheer to to, to see uh, Fernando uh, pull it off it's a it's a very rare thing uh, lots of guys have been able to win two of those three legs of the uh, the, the triple crown Jacques Villeneuve is uh, another one he won Monaco and won the Indy 500 but uh, never was able to to get that third one at uh, at Le Mans so it would be a very very exclusive uh, company and I, I think that that's what makes the the whole uh, Fernando Alonso story uh, an interesting one to follow but whether or not to uh, that that story continues in formula 1 next year that's that's a great question we will have to see and does that mean that if he goes van dorn stays and then they're very keen to give uh, lando norris who is one of their junior drivers a uh, a race seat so could we see a stoffel van dorn lando norris partnership next year well <laughs> you know we're seeing now we have two young drivers at williams and the car they're struggling with the car that that's not necessarily working out too much i don't know how much better it could be for mclaren who have uh, stagnated at least to 2017 levels with uh, with this car, the MCL, what is it, 32, 33? Whatever it is, the 2018 uh, McLaren is uh, at least on par with last year's car. And uh, finally, well, Sauber... <clears throat> Well, it, it really seems like Charles Leclerc will go to Ferrari. So I, I think that Marcus Ericsson will be back again. He's another one of these guys that seems to bring a lot of money with him. Uh, he gets on very well with the, with the, uh, the owners and the management of the team. So I, I would think that as long as Marcus Ericsson has money, that he will be, or at least I think would be given uh, full consideration for one of those seats. And then, um, well, if uh, Leclerc goes, who, who gets that second one? Well, Antonio Giovinazzi, who we saw a couple of times last year, uh, when Pascal Verlein, um, who was uh, injured to start the year, he had that uh, nasty uh, accident at the the Race of Champions when where was it Miami last year somewhere uh, like that, and he missed the first couple of races uh, of the, of the season. I think that uh, Giovinazzi uh, he had his moments last year. He did have uh, somewhat of a, an embarrassing spin on the uh, well, the, the the track was damp uh, there in Shanghai along the start finish straight. Uh, I think he just went underneath one of those uh, whatever. 
advertising hoardings or whatever it is and got onto a, a damp patch on the, the track and spun out. But uh, anyways, he's going to get uh, an outing in FP1 at the German Grand Prix this weekend. So perhaps uh, that is a, a bit of foreshadowing. There, there was even some sort of speculation that maybe Kimi Raikkonen could uh, go back to, to Sauber. But uh, just like the, the rumor last week is that uh, maybe he'll go to McLaren. I just you know, honestly, for a guy that uh, has been at the top for, for so long and 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 had some very good cars and been with some of the biggest teams in Formula One, I I can't really see that. I, I can't see Kimi Räikkönen going from Ferrari going to 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 McLaren or or to Sauber at the the, the back of the grid. That is something that logically does not compute with my brain, and I, I think that's. Uh, Maybe not the longest of long shots, but definitely a long shot. And I, I can't see it happening uh, at any time soon. All right, well, let's uh, let's move on. And one of the other uh, news items that was out this week is that uh, Mercedes believes that over the course of the, the, the triple header over the past uh, three weekends, that they had the fastest car, despite all the points that they, they lost. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton had a very good weekend at, uh, at the French Grand Prix, won that race. Uh, Valtteri Bottas, of course, was uh, taken out by uh, Sebastian Vettel on the first corner. And uh, what with the damaged floor that he had, I mean, he had a, a decent recovery drive. He didn't really uh, fare as well as uh, Vettel, who picked his way through the order much quicker and finished a lot higher in the uh, the, the, the final classification than the, than Valtteri did. But still, uh, the, both those cars uh, were, were fast. And then uh, going to uh, to Austria is where uh, uh, Mercedes had introduced a bunch of new upgrades, and they ended up having a, a double DNF, which was the first time that they've retired both cars through mechanical failure since 1955 1956 whatever it was it was a hell of a long time ago and i think the only other time that we've seen in recent memory that uh, we've had a double mercedes dnf was at the spanish grand prix in 2016 when nico rosberg and uh, lewis hamilton uh, collided on the first lap and what was it turn three or four ended up in the, the the gravel and that was sort of peak hamilton rosberg animosity so a a, a very very uh, rare occurrence but yeah they, i mean they they do think that they have um uh, uh the, the the fastest car and it certainly looked like it but again in uh, at the at the british grand prix that one got kind of a, a little bit turned up on the, the their their head i mean they looked like they were going pretty good and then we had those safety cars and then very much like what we had in the uh, the austrian grand prix where uh, ferrari who's who's become a little bit more proactive a little bit more aggressive in their pit, uh, pit stop strategy especially when circumstances change very quickly i mean um, the red are the masters of the double stack under these safety car periods, but Ferrari, who over the years and, and let's be honest, sometimes their uh, their their race strategy, their pit stop strategy, just has not been the 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 best one that they could have gone with. And uh, Red Bull definitely a lot more adventurous. And as we saw in Shanghai earlier this year, that uh, that when they're on the ball, that uh, that they can uh, sneak race wins uh, away and, and and make some things happen. Ferrari, I don't think they're they're anywhere like the Red Bull that way. I mean, they, they make those big, bold changes, but definitely they, they have taken some steps towards that. And I think that uh, when you look at uh, Mercedes in Britain and obviously in Austria, and boy, Lewis Hamilton was mad in Austria when they got uh, got those uh, th- th- that strategy uh, mixed up and didn't bring him into the pits. I mean, it was all academic in the end, obviously. Uh, Lewis retired with a mechanical problem, as did uh, Valtteri Bottas. But uh, yeah, so... Interesting, interesting. I I think it's a little bit hard to argue that uh, that they don't have the fastest car in Formula One, but I think Ferrari also have a pretty good argument that they are at least on par and in some uh, instances uh, uh, faster than Mercedes. But we've seen that uh, all season long. We we've seen it kind of go back and forth in each and every uh, race weekend. The track seems either to be suited to to Mercedes or it's suited to Ferrari, and we've seen on several occasions this year that uh, that. It's even suited to, to Red Bull. I mean, you go back to, to Monaco in May, and uh, Ricardo was just 
flying <laughs> in uh, the entire weekend. And uh, so was his teammate Max Verstappen, both of them uh, setting down some very impressive uh, lap times. And obviously, Ricardo just absolutely killing it and, and qualifying and just absolutely dominating everybody, setting a track record. The only guy, I think, to get into the low, sorry, the high one minute tens for a, for a lap time, which is something uh, that uh, you don't see very, very off, uh, uh, often. But uh, just to sort of wrap up uh, this discussion here on uh, uh, the, the the point loss and the the, the fact that uh, they uh, Mercedes believe that this triple header didn't really demonstrate how good the car is, is that they only managed uh, sixty one points and they they started all three of those races for, from uh, pole position, and uh, during that time over those three races they finished th- third out of the top three teams. Uh, Ferrari got uh, ninety eight points over that uh, that three race span. And Red Bull even had a very impressive uh, 65 points. So Mercedes uh, obviously feeling that uh, that they can do better. And sometimes that's what they need. They, 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 they need that motivation or some sort of, I don't know if it's a humiliation or embarrassment. Maybe not. Maybe just a, a feeling of uh, inferiority that, uh, that they're not performing to what's that, the level that they can. Maybe that's the way to explain it. I mean, we saw last year in 2017, they had that horrible, horrible weekend at, uh, at Monaco. And then they had, I think it was like a, a week off in between before they went to Circuitio Villeneuve in Montreal. And during that time, they basically worked 24-7. And then that was the point in the year where they really got it going. And I think we saw a good indication of it in Montreal last year. And that's the thing that uh, that really kind of worries me because uh, regardless, I, I think, which team, which driver you cheer for, I think that it's been a very, very refreshing and welcoming to see that that every weekend seems to favor one of the, the top three teams over the other and even the drivers within the team. And uh, I think it would be uh, I think it would be a real shame if uh, we didn't see that uh, continuing for the rest of uh, the year. Anyways, a little bit more Mercedes news. Uh, they are looking for a, or they've announced they're not looking to do it. They're actually going to go and do it. And uh, they've implemented a big technical restructure for 2019. And that will see Aldo Costa step back from his role as Mercedes' uh, engineering uh, director. So Costa joined Mercedes from Ferrari in 2011, will become a, a technical advisor to the team. And uh, that will allow uh, chief designer John Owen to take over the engineering group that was uh, previously headed by by Costa. So performance director Mark Ellis has decided to retire from his position ahead of, uh, he's going on sabbatical uh, sometime next year. And uh, that that means that chief vehicle dynamicist uh, Loic Sarah will take over his role. And James Allison will remain as a a technical director, also uh, another former Ferrari guy with Owen and Ellis set to report to him. Now going from the the front of the grid to the back of the grid, and we got a, a couple of stories here sad stories about uh, two storied and and famous formula one teams and uh mclaren ceo zach brown said that uh, he's all for formula one's plan to implement a, a cap on spending and it gives him optimism these are the words that he used for a return to form for his uh beleaguered team and uh, mclaren obviously has uh, gone from bad to worse to some sort of subterranean pit that they're in right now so uh formula one they wanted to introduce a a cost cap of about 150 million dollars per year starting from 2021 allowing for the independent team so say like your uh williams your mclarens teams like that to be able to uh, compete with uh, the the big spenders so your mercedes your ferraris and uh, I guess maybe to a, maybe a, a bit of a lesser ex, uh, extent, uh, Red Bull. I don't think they spend quite as much as say Ferrari or Mercedes. But uh, compared to maybe uh, the teams at the back, obviously Red Bull would be a bigger spender. So McLaren, they do have a healthy budget, but they just have not been able to to get anything right. And there's been all sorts of uh, speculation and discussion in the past couple of weeks, just with the way that the team is structured. It's just like apart from blowing it all up the 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 i guess the the work that you have to do would just be monumental and almost glacial in the amount of speed uh, that it would take to uh, to to see changes if you sort of 
chip away at it bit by bit. But this kind of leads into a uh, another comment that was uh, made uh, by uh, Gunther Steiner, who's the team principal at Haas F1. And he believes that each of the seven teams that are not Mercedes, Ferrari, or Red Bull are all equally capable and uh, have a very, I guess, equal performance and uh, on the track. And uh, he believes that any one of those uh, seven teams can be challenging for uh, race points each and uh, every uh, weekend. So um, Haas has kind of been, I would think, the, the, the best of the rest. They had a very, very good opening weekend in Australia till the point they had the pit stops in the race and that that pace and that uh, the speed that they had uh, sadly didn't get put to, to good use because both of those cars uh, retired when uh, they, they had uh, both their their tires were not fitted correctly during their pit stops and uh, they had to uh, retire from the race so that was uh, disappointing but yeah I think that they they are the best of the rest uh, Renault haven't really had the uh, I, I think they they almost seem a little bit kind of flattened off in their uh their 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 march back towards being a, a race winner. Obviously they're sort of in the middle of this multi year long term project that they embarked upon when they bought Lotus a couple of years ago, uh to to get back to being one of the top teams in Formula One. So they're sort of halfway through that uh, that process right now and they're also basically halfway in the middle of the grid. So I guess that would be, uh, I, I guess that would make <laughs> make a lot of sense. And also, uh, Steiner went on to say that uh, that points that have been lost this year through driver errors are completely unacceptable. And uh, I, I think this is obviously more to do with uh, Roman Grosjean. Uh, Kevin Magnussen has had a, a far better season and more, far more consistent season. He's had a couple of controversial moments here and there, but uh, yeah, Grosjean has just had uh, all sorts of. Uh, well, I mean, he's he's done some really stupid things but he's also had some pretty bad luck but uh, they are all really add up to the same thing at the end of the day that regardless if it's your own fault or not they they do have a car that should be challenging for points each and every weekend and uh, I, I think that Steiner would like to see them uh, at least I, I think he well, not just at least but I think he'd like both cars uh, to get into Q3 each and every race weekend so I can imagine the frustration that he must be feeling when they're throwing points away through uh, what, what's happening on the track uh, that's not even a, a fault of the team or a mechanical fault but is rather of uh, one of the drivers must be immensely immensely uh, frustrating but just uh, talking about points and and throwing them away uh, fernando alonso is saying that uh, the revised uh, uh, point system that that uh, liberty media the the commercial rights holder formula 1 are proposing would uh, would lose what he's calling quote unquote miracle results and uh, so this would uh, increase the amount of points that are awarded on a race weekend uh, that go right now from the uh, places 1 to 10 but would go from like one to twenty, so that would uh, be be quite a change because uh, of course you get twenty five for first, eighteen for second, fifteen for third, uh, twelve for fourth, ten for fifth, uh, eighth for sixth, uh, seventh you get six points, four for eighth, two for t- ninth, and one for tenth. And uh, Fernando, uh, not a big fan of uh, expanding those points uh, beyond the uh, the the current. Uh, cut off a 10th where it is right now. I even remember when I was a kid, I think they only gave out uh, race points for the first, uh, to the, the top six drivers. So to go all the way from the, or to give everybody points at the end of the day, that's, you know, I don't know, that's kind of almost like the participation rib- ribbon that you get at, uh, at your sports day when you're a kid growing up. It's just, you, know, you show up and you participate, you get an award for it. So uh, I, I don't like that uh, necessarily. I think that they should just, just uh, award it. And I, I don't even see why they even really need to change it. I think that uh, the, the current point system works. And I don't think that you should necessarily get points just because you uh, you show up each and every uh, day. Uh, obviously, some teams are going to struggle more than others. I don't think that Williams has scored a single point this year, or maybe they have. I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'll check that here before the end of the show. But it uh, definitely, I, I think, is something that they just shouldn't be uh, giving away. So, oh yeah, I'm corrected. Uh, actually, uh, Williams does have four points, but they're 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 miles behind uh, Sauber, who have 16. So, not really a, <laughs> a mile, but uh, definitely, if you're uh, if you're Williams, that's not really a lot uh, that uh, that you can. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that you that you have, and I can't really see them getting up to sixteen at any point in the near future. All right, well, now something that for the I I thought was kind of a I found it kind of a what's the best way to put it? Interesting, amusing, shocking, maybe a little bit of all of the above, but a couple of days ago, Jacques Villeneuve, former Formula One world champion, said that his former team, Williams, is quote-unquote dead. And uh, he, they obviously, like we're saying, they're, uh, they're, they're bottom of the Constructors' uh, Championship at the, the, the bottom. And they've gone from third in the World Championship in 2014 and 2015th, uh, right down to the bottom of uh, Formula One just in the space of uh, a couple of years. So Villeneuve, uh, he's an outspoken fellow, and uh, he pointed the the blame squarely at, uh, at Claire Williams and basically said it was a, a mistake for her to be uh, named as a team principal and to take over from her father, Sir Frank Williams. And uh, Villeneuve, not a believer that they can uh, can bring it back or, or get back to even being competitive, uh, let alone get back up to, say, as high as a third in the uh, the Constructors' Championship. So a very dire prediction from uh, from Jacques. But uh, over at Williams himself, Patty Lowe, who's been there for a couple of years, obviously Patty used to be one of the uh, the main guys at uh, at uh, at Mercedes, and uh, he's saying that the recovery to get Williams back to becoming a competitive te- team is his greatest uh, challenge. So they they've got so many problems there and so many questions that need uh, answering. Uh, so uh, <laughs> one of the problems that they have is that uh, the way that the the aerodynamics on the car has, uh, you know, it it doesn't give Lance Stroll or Sergey Sorokin the the confidence to to really push and uh, and 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 drive the car to maybe its full potential, use all the speed that they have because we saw both of them spin out in qualifying at the British Grand Prix because the way that the aerodynamics uh, move or work and it's a completely different philosophy to the uh, to the aerodynamics that they've been using in previous years and they, they get you know, they're getting this stalling effect over the back wing and that's uh, the reason why both of them uh, crashed at, uh, at Silverstone last week all right well let's take a, a quick look now at the uh, the German Grand Prix uh, this weekend uh, it's at Hockenheim, and I'm still not really a big fan of the of the new Hockenheim. The last time, or the only time that I've been to Hockenheim is quite a number of years ago. I'm I'm thinking probably 15 years ago. I think it's right before they they modified the track and uh, and cut down all the trees in the forest there, and came up with this new, uh, smaller, more condensed circuit rather than the uh, the old one where. They would come out of the that long back straight out of the forest and come into that little twisty section in the uh, in the stadium and then back onto the start finish straight and then that ninety degree corner and then head way back off into the forest again. Obviously not uh, great for for the spectators who are there, and um, I, I think obviously it's probably more I think suitable or appropriate uh, in its uh, current format for modern formula one there's more grandstands there's uh you know the the circuit isn't completely isolated and it's not in the middle of a forest like it was for the for the longest time but uh still it it seems like it's i mean it, it's a tale of two hockenheims and i think when i was there for that dtm race that was probably pretty close to the the, the time where they they, they started the improvements uh, to what they have now so It'll be a 67-lap race. It's a, a 4.574 long uh, kilometer course. Uh, the race distance is 306.458 kilometers. The lap record was set in 2004 by Kimi Raikkonen, who set as 1 minute 13.780 seconds. And this is the, well, the, the first German Grand Prix that we've had since uh, 2016. Lewis Hamilton won that time. And even we didn't have a, a German Grand Prix in 2015 either. So it's been a little bit hit and miss over the past uh number of years there and obviously uh, Hockenheim and the German Grand Prix they're trying to renegotiate with uh, with Formula One to get a more favorable deal it was just getting uh, becoming more and more costly to to host the race there under the, uh, the the terms and conditions that had been laid down by Bernie Ecclestone so they are definitely trying to get a, a better deal worked out uh, for themselves on that one now if you look at the uh, some of the uh, characteristics uh, about the, the the track, uh, it's a as a three according to the Pirelli Autosports uh, graphic. 
So uh, one being the lowest, uh, five being maximum. So tire stress is a three. Lateral G forces are a three. Asphalt grip is a three. Down force is a three. And uh, it's not a super abrasive uh, track surface. And that is, uh, it is a uh, ranks a number two. So the tires that Pirelli have made available for this race are the mediums, soft and super soft tires. And uh, if you look at uh, the, the top teams, uh, well, Hamilton and Botas have, uh, taken more uh, ultra softs rather than the, uh, the 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 soft tires. Botas has only opted for one set of um, the the white medium compound. Hamilton has uh, taken two, and uh, actually uh, Vettel and Raikkonen are also uh, very similar to the the Mercedes uh, drivers uh, on their tire selections. Uh, Vettel and Hamilton have made uh, the same selections on uh, the numbers of soft, mediums, and super soft. Sorry, ultra soft uh, tires, and then also. Uh, Raikkonen uh, is uh, opted for the same as his countryman Valtteri Bottas. Uh, Verstappen, Ricardo at uh, Red Bull are taking more ultra soft compared to the uh, the, the soft tires. And uh, as you get further down the the, the, the the grid there through the other teams, everybody's loading up on the super. Sorry, the the ultra soft tires. So we'll see what uh, what results that uh, brings this weekend. Anyways, uh, that should be interesting uh, to watch and uh, should be a very, very exciting race. Uh, I I don't even know who to uh, predict might come up on top. Obviously, each and every uh, race, uh, it really depends. Is the Mercedes more suited to to this one? Is it uh, it going to be Ferrari? Is it going to be Red Bull? We'll just have to to, to wait and see. But since we had a a week off, I'm just going to remind you guys quickly of the latest uh, or the the most recent standings in the Drivers' Championship. On top is uh, Sebastian Vettel with 171 points, Lewis Hamilton in second with 163, Kimi Raikkonen in third with 116 points, Danny Rick in fourth with 106, Valtteri Bottas in fifth with 104 points, and then Max Verstappen rounding out the contenders, although he's uh, quite a ways behind uh, Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton with 93 points. Now, just uh, taking a, a quick look at the Constructors' Championship. Currently, it's a Ferrari on top with 287 points, Mercedes in second with 267 points, and Red Bull Racing not really all that far behind considering uh, the the results that they've had uh, this year. They're still in with a, a bit of a shout, uh, although they're uh, substantially further behind uh, Ferrari than they are Mercedes, but uh, Red Bull have uh, amassed an I'd say a very impressive 199 points in the Constructors' Championship so far this season. All right, guys. Anyways, I think that's a good place to wrap it up now. I'm just looking here at the the timer on uh, my recording software here. I've gone on for now over 50 minutes <laughs> on my own, and uh, my throat is definitely starting to feel a little bit hoarse, a little bit uh, a little bit worse for wear. So I think this is a, a good place to to leave it. Anyways. Uh, Thank you all very much for listening, downloading the show. If you want to do us a, a big favor and help us uh, grow the show, the, one of the easiest and best ways to do that is to leave us a, a, re- a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform that you use to download and enjoy your podcast from. And Kevin and I would certainly uh, appreciate that. If you have any feedback or comments, easiest way to, to get in, uh, in touch with us is via email at scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com. Or throw a tweet my way at Scuderia F1 Pod. Anyways, I really need a drink of water, so I'm going to leave it there. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you again this time next week. listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com You were listening to SPN the Sports Podcasting Network Visit us SportsPodcastingNetwork.com Sp-
space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from?